0: All right, guys, don't shame yourself. Wipe your eyes. (laughs) Come on, you had moms, too. Hey, let's have all the directors of operations, a.k.a. moms, would you stand up? Yeah. Stay standing. I'm going to pray for you guys. I'm going to pray you start getting paid for it. How about that? Uh, let's pray. Yeah, a lot, a lot of applause there. Uh, God, we are so grateful this morning, and we're celebrating uh, about what's so right, about uh, a mom and a life, empowering many of us, Father. And we know that there's pain associated even this day with many who've lost moms, and maybe the memories weren't there, but this morning we just choose to, to focus on what's so right, pray for those standing, God, that have given so much. Uh, God, would you give an extra blessing uh, to them, uh, especially today, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, moms. Yep. Yeah, you're gonna be crying all day today, I guarantee it. (laughs) (laughs) The service wrecks you. So somebody told me after the first service, it was a guy, he said, dude, I went into the bathroom, There are all these dudes crying in the bathroom. (laughs) It's awesome (laughs) because they can't do it out here. Anyway, I'm all good with that. Hey, it is so good to be together and we've been in uh, this series called Grace Anatomy. And you know, we had a fair speaker last week. I think she did okay. She did great, she did great was Tricia, my wife, for those of you who weren't here last week. Uh, she had done a great job of just talking about grace being given. And, and we recognize that we're unable to give grace, uh, apart from us learning that we have to receive it first. And so I just want to review a few things where we've been. And you haven't watched that. You can look on our website and, and, and kind of capture those. But we said the first week, what is grace? It's not simply saying a quick prayer before a meal. It's not just, we we say this often, let's just give that person a little bit grace. That's like tolerating, you know, somebody. No, grace is the unmerited favor of God that you and I did not earn or deserve. And we talked about that the first week. We said also that this grace is really Jesus. In fact, your Bibles from Genesis to the end of it, the end of that story that, that God writes through all those authors, Genesis to Revelation is about the story of grace, which is about Jesus. It's an epic story about how God redeems a lost creation and his people. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ. And so, we had talked about this idea that Jesus, when we receive Christ, when we begin to surrender our lives to him, he begins to give us the ability to, not even the ability, but he extends his grace through us. Trisha had this great passage that she read From the message, it says, You, your very lives are a letter that anyone could read by just looking at you. And so last week, we talked about grace being given. We talked about when we receive Christ in our lives, we become this letter. And then we wrote letters, remember? We wrote letters to kids in Haiti. Um, Just as a side note, you wrote 900 letters to kids in Haiti. 900 letters, yeah. And, And those letters become a, a message of grace. Some, I don't know what you wrote in your letter, but the, the message is about, you know, be encouraged. God's with you no matter how hard it gets. And so what what a great example, a living example of extending grace. And so Paul's saying to this this group of Christians, Christ himself wrote on you, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives, and we published it. In other words, when we receive Christ into our lives, when we begin to surrender ourselves and we receive that grace, we can't help but extending grace to others. We become a letter. And we begin to see this grace. And so Trisha had that PVC uh, elbow, remember? And talking about when it's cleared, when we get rid of bitterness and just that, we start to we stop comparing ourselves with people. We start looking to the grace that's given us in heaven. We have this great thing that happens through us, grace just starts to become flowing out of us. And, and this morning I want to talk about what does it look like to see grace in action. And Mother Teresa says in an interesting well she's addressing an audience, there is a light in this world, a healing spirit more powerful than any darkness we may encounter. We sometimes lose sight of this force when there is suffering or too much pain, but then suddenly the spirit will emerge. She's talking about Jesus. Emerge through the lives of ordinary people who hear a call and answer it in extraordinary ways. In other words, when we are recipients of God's grace, we find ourselves where people are lonely and hurting and broken. In other words, the Scripture calls it in a dark place. And we have this ability, which we don't even recognize, to bring light. The Bible talks about this, that you are a light unto my feet, a light unto my path. We we are able to bring that without us even trying. John 8, the writer, is talking where Jesus is speaking. He says, Jesus spoke again to the people and said, I am the light of the world. You know, the governments aren't that. Philosophy is not that. You know, what people want to think is truth is not that, that Jesus is the light of the world. And whoever follows will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, you can't help it, but when you're a recipient of God's grace, when Jesus enters your life, you become this light. You're a small little light in a very dark world. I had a friend just texting me back and forth last night and just, just talking about our culture and world, and we just agreed that it is a dark world. It's a dark place, and yet God did not want us to have what's called evacuation theology. What does that mean? Where it's just really bad here. We're just waiting to be you know, that phone call or that evacuation siren just be sucked up in somewhere. It's that he left us here. It says, John 17, Jesus' prayer to the Father says, I'm leaving them in the world that others may see, I'm paraphrasing, light, or the grace that I offer. So we become these conduits for the light. Jesus not only says it there, it's this grace is seen also in Matthew chapter 5 where he gives us a command. He says, you are the light of the world. He's talking about you and I. You are the light of the world. We know that that's not possible on our own. It has to be through Christ in us. But you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. It's for everyone to see. Neither does someone light a lamp and put it underneath a bowl and cover it up. You want that light. Instead, they put it on its stand, and listen to this, it gives light to everyone in the house. When you're a recipient of the grace that Jesus offers you, you immediately bring light and hope to people that are living in darkness. It says, in the same way then, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You get to see grace in action When you watch people who love Jesus enter the lives of people that are in dark places. We thought, how do we talk about that this morning? Grace being seen. And there's no probably better way for us than just to to capture someone who's been a part of our body and their family and and Alan and Kristen and I had the privilege of marrying them a couple years back. And so I want you to give a warm welcome this morning to Kristen Jane Anderson, would you welcome her this morning? So Kristen uh, has uh, been a part of our body for uh, some time, and uh, she has an interesting story. And, and you and I go back um, before the wedding, even. I think you were here, and if. If you capture Kristen during music, she kind of likes music a little bit. Um, and I say that in kind of lighthearted, but really it's an expression of worship watching you uh, love God through the through the lyrics. But anyway, I wanted to know your story. I remember we met in my office and, and when Kristen told her story, uh, it's a, not a normal story. I mean, it's not a story you hear often. And so I was uh, a bit in shock and like, you're kidding me. But I think what's so powerful about this morning, and, and we've tried to figure out when would be a good time to tell it, is we're talking about grace. And the reason we want you to hear Krista's story is less that we, you know, that Krista's a famous person, but I want you to see grace or light being brought to a life that was very dark. That, that's the power of, I think, the story this morning. And so, Chris uh, and I are going to go for it again, part two, right, after the first service. And, uh, dudes, it's okay to cry. Just want you to know that. You can give it up anytime. Sobbing might be a little bit over the top. And if you find yourself, there is a bathroom right over there. So, uh, just tell us a little bit about Kristen, you growing up. Uh, and these are pictures. Again, i made fun of your pants there, the yeah. hockey pants. So. And the Red Sox matching, though, by the way, which was even the hockey stick you matched, which is just powerful. Anyway. Uh, tell us a little bit about growing up and where you grew up.
1: Sure. I grew up about an hour north of Chicago in a small town called Lake Villa. Uh, my parents were always married. I had an older brother and older sister. I had everything that I needed as a kid. I had most of what I wanted, so I was you know, blessed in that way. I didn't have any big trials or tragedies in my life as a kid. Life kind of went along smoothly. We went to church on Sundays. I went to Sunday school. Life was just pretty simple and carefree.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is, is your mom in here? Is mom in here this morning? Is she, she was the first service. She Stand is. up, mom. Director of operations right there. <laughs> yep, there she is. I just had to do that. I'm sorry. So normal childhood, you know, and talk just a little bit about, about your faith. I think that's important for us to understand this morning. Kind of you grew up going to church, but talk a little bit about where you were at with God at that point.
1: Yeah, I was in church every Sunday, but I never really had a relationship with God. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know that I was created for that. I didn't know what a big difference He could make in my life. So spiritually, I I don't know any other way to describe it besides that I was dead in that way. I would pray once in a while, but it was just a small part of my life, and so It didn't really help me at all. It didn't really make a difference.
0: Yeah. Seems like, as you talked about, again, I've heard your story a couple times. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like you knew about God, the answers about God.
1: Right. It was like the religious side of faith. I knew that God created the world. I knew that Jesus was the son of God. I knew...
0: You knew the right answers. Yeah. Yeah. James talks about that in, in the Bible about that faith is more than just intellectual belief. So you had a belief about God, but it was all really in your head. And and you attended church and youth group. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yet there was something missing inside.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So talk a little about then, we're going to fast forward, and there's so much to your story, but capture a little bit about from sophomore to, to senior year, You had some losses, some things happened to you. Just unpack that a little bit for us, because it gives us context about kind of where you landed.
1: Yeah, the beginning of high school was pretty normal, but then towards the end of my sophomore year, things started to go wrong. And it started first with a friend who died in a motorcycle accident, which I didn't expect to happen at all. I'd never even dealt with death, so that was very hard for me. And then just as I started to kind of move forward from that, another friend died in a car accident Mm. and very shortly after that a friend was diagnosed with a brain tumor a terminal brain tumor she passed away from that and then I lost a friend to suicide and it was all within about a year and a half so four friends that you knew yeah and then my grandmother passed away too
0: your grandmother passed away
1: so and I just I had no idea how to handle that I I nobody was really talking about their feelings so I didn't talk about my feelings and I started to fall into a deep and Scary depression.
0: And, and so think about this this morning. I mean, many of us have lost one family member or a friend of four within a year. And I know some of us have that story of maybe multiple, but just as a high school student and then not knowing where to go with that because all you have is, is a religious answer. Right. right? Right. You know, and was there anything going on about were you confused about why God that, would let that happen to you?
1: Yeah, I got really discouraged about this world. I was like, why why does it have to be so painful? Why do bad things have to happen? Why do you need those sort of questions? I, I was thinking about that all the time, yeah. becoming more and more disillusioned, more discouraged, more hopeless.
0: So I, I think some other things happen, I don't know if you want to share those, but it, you kind of get to your senior year. So just unpack that a little bit before we kind of get yeah. to where you had After us.
1: After my friends passed away, I ended up being raped by um acquaintance and then i was being stalked by two young men and all of that kind of came to a head and i just went numb inside i didn't know how to handle it i was in denial of being raped didn't want to deal with that and i uh got uh, much farther into this depression and yeah just started to hate myself started to hate the world hate life
0: yeah the Bible actually talks about, it was interesting, I didn't say this the first service, but uh, despair is actually a sin. I, I thought it was fascinating to read about that because we, we have a lot of people in our culture today and many of you have gone through that as depression. And quite frankly, m- most of us are gonna go through some low times in life. We all, you have to be, in order to be human, you have to be depressed at some point in your life. But the farther depression sinks, when it gets to despair, despair is the proclamation that there is nothing to trust in there is no creator to trust in and it seems like you got there and uh ob- for obvious reason the loss of those and then to have that abuse in your life and for a young girl which which is interesting and again I'm I'm looking at you because I'm trying to highlight goes to church normal life at school but the loss of four friends uh this this horrible event to happen to you um physically and then there, there's no answer, there's, there's, no, there's no solid foundation, there's no light in the midst of that dark place. So Kristen, just unpack for everybody here, what, what, where did that take you um, to that night in January to make a pretty big decision?
1: Um, well, I ended up um, wanting to go to a friend's house after church on a Sunday. I was supposed to be grounded, but I left anyway and then I got dropped off down the street by my friend and I started to go home and I just didn't want to go home. I didn't want to deal with my life, so I went to the park that was kitty corner across the street from my parents' house just to try to think about my life a little, sort things out, cheer myself up a little bit if I could. I wanted to kind of gather my emotions before I went home and...
0: Because that's all you have, try to cheer yourself, try to find Mm -hmm. some level Mm -hmm. of happiness, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I did that for a little while, and then I remembered in this small town, the police will patrol the park just for safety's sake and make anyone who's there go home. But the reason I was there was sadly because I didn't want to go home. So I looked around to see where else I could go before.
0: And can we stop for a moment? Sure. I just want to make sure, because it, it wasn't bad at home.
1: No, no.
0: Right? Because your mom and your dad are loving you. They love the Lord, right? Yeah, the the very picture supportive, here is not like loving. it's abusive home. No,
1: and yeah. that's the, that's the sad part about it to me that I didn't want to go home. I definitely could have went home. It was a yeah. safe environment. I just was so overwhelmed with my life. I didn't know w- what to do anymore. I just I just wanted everything to stop.
0: Mm. So tell us what happened.
1: So when I remembered that A police car came, they would make me go home. I looked around to see where else I could go, and I saw a train that had been parked on the edge of the park. I figured for about three weeks because I'd driven by, it hadn't gone anywhere. So I went over to the train and I sat on it, and that wasn't something I normally did. I didn't plan trains or train tracks, but I sat on that train, and sitting there triggered a thought process I'd had about suicide, and I started to consider that as an option for the first time ever. I never thought that i would take my life or try to take my life or even ever want to but i started to consider it as an option in that moment just feeling like my life was never going to get any better like i was never going to feel any better i was never going to be able to handle it i would never be strong enough it wasn't worth it anymore and there was a interesting thing going on in my head i would think Like there's no reason I'm here and then I don't think there's no reason I'm here, then I don't think there's something I'm supposed to do here and then I don't think there's nothing I'm supposed to do here and I would think it's going to get better and then I don't think it's not going to get any better. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I believe firmly now that there was a spiritual battle going on in my head between you know between God and Satan for my life. Right. I just thought that I was confused and, you know, didn't know what to do. But as I'm being pulled back and forth, all of a sudden a train starts to come. And I hadn't made a decision. I didn't know what to do. Again, I didn't really want to die. I just wanted my life to get a little bit better. And then right before the train got to me, I made a decision to lay down in front of it, thinking I needed to do something. It was cold out. I needed to go home, go somewhere, do something. And just in that split second, I made that terrible choice to lay down in front of the train.
0: So you're so... Filled with despair, no hope. You have religious answers, but those aren't answering the deeper need in your heart. No. You haven't really fully received the grace that God offered you, and so you think better to end my life. So, what happened?
1: Well, when I first laid down, I I felt the train begin to go over me, and what I felt when it first started to go over me is I felt it begin to suck me upward, almost into and you're
0: itself. underneath the train.
1: Right. And then very quickly after that, I felt something seriously push me down and hold me down into the ground. And I am sure now that that was God just protecting me and sparing my life.
0: Because the train's going over quite fast.
1: Yeah, yeah. It says in the police report that 33 freight train cars went over me at 55 miles per hour.
0: And yet, here you sit. Um, unbelievable. When, when, you, when Kristen first told me this story, it's one of those that you're like, what, what? <laughs> Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to get you to laugh at that, but you hear that and you're saying, no, no. Can someone find themselves, ah, oh, it gets me so low to, to end their life. And a miracle, though, you're here. So uh, part of the reason I wanted you to tell this story was, was not because of what we just heard, but I want you to hear at the very bottom. Of, of someone's existence, uh, at the very darkest place of a life, this is where grace is seen. And so listen to these amazing lights that are brought into Kristen's life. And so let's just start from amazing your living. So, so there's some medical miracles that of, of God's grace really in that. Just unpack a couple of those.
1: Um, well, I first of all was told after uh, everything happened that they tried to flight for life me, which is something they weren't able to do because it was so cold and foggy out that night. So they did something that that they'd never done since, it wasn't protocol, that they'd never done beforehand. And they had wanted me to go to a freighter in Milwaukee, that's why they wanted to flight for life me, but they ended up closing all the roads and the intersections from where I was to the closest hospital in the area that could take me. And it says in the police report that it's normally a 45-minute drive, but that they got me there in eight minutes. And it was details like that that helped me start to see god in mm. my little life when i got to the hospital i remember them asking my, my name my parents name my sister's name their phone numbers and i was able to answer all their questions and they started talking about how they felt like they were witnessing some sort of a miracle and i was confused by that i didn't really feel like a miracle i didn't really even want to be a miracle but they said that scientifically you're supposed to die after you lose five pints of blood, and I had lost eight, and I was still very much alive. I was talking. I was conscious. I was aware of everything around me. So I remember, you know, afterward thinking a lot about that and how God, you know, just yeah. overcame the impossible.
0: Let's just back up for a moment. I, I want to – I know we didn't talk about this the first service, but I'm curious to, to have them hear this. So I remember your story. You're still not out of your depression. Right. You're still pretty overwhelmed, um, but something happens on the tracks that we did talk about first service. I want to yeah. not miss that because yeah. there's something you sense in that moment of just realizing what you just done. You've just lost your legs.
1: Yeah, I'll go back.
0: Yeah, go back to that.
1: Right after the train stopped, um, I had no idea what to believe. I didn't know if I was alive or dead. Yeah. I started to look around to see what had just happened, and when I looked around. I looked behind me to my right, and when I looked behind me to my right, I saw my legs. And that was like when reality sort of started to hit me. But it felt like it was a nightmare. It felt like it couldn't be real. This was terrible, unreal. So I crawled out from underneath the train to, to try to reassess the situation to see if my legs were actually gone, if this was just a bad dream. And when I looked down, I saw like my nothing where my left leg was because it was so dark out. And then I turned my attention to my right leg, and that's when I I ran my hand below my leg, I saw the blood. Mm -hmm. That's when pain really hit me. I I told you in first service that when the train was going over me, I felt pain, but it was sort of a dull in the background sort of pain. Now it was much more loud in your face sort of pain. I started crying uh, harder than I'd ever cried in my life. For my mom, the way a small child would. I was in the worst pain I'd ever, ever been in in my life. And all of a sudden, this peace just starts to cover me. And I started hearing the song Amazing Grace play over and over in my mind. Mm. And I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what was happening. I I thought maybe I was dying and going to heaven. I didn't know what was really happening. But I think now what was happening is God was just showing me that really, there's nothing my mom could have done to help me in that moment. Only he could help me in that moment. He was going to be there for me.
0: And I I don't want to uh, paint the picture that all of a sudden, okay, now Kristen's good. You know, she had this moment. Because really, you're, str- you're kind of mad you're still alive. No, if I remember well, I, your... Yeah,
1: like I said, when I got to the hospital, they were talking about me being a miracle, and I didn't want to be a miracle. You didn't want to
0: be the miracle, right. But there's glimmers of hope. So now let's transition from just the medical reality of, of that miracle. But then there are these people that become these conduits of light to your soul. So just paint a couple pictures of, of some of those people.
1: Sure. There was one couple right after I got out of the hospital who were friends with my sister who came over to have dinner with our family one night. My mom invited them over because they called to see how we were doing, and they just wanted to encourage us. And after dinner, we went into the living room just to have some conversation. And very shortly after uh, we sat down there, the husband of the couple started to share the gospel with me in in a way that I had never heard it before. I You know, I knew that Jesus died for us, I knew that he was the son of God, but I didn't know that God created me and all of us to be in a personal and real relationship with him. He told me you know, that the reason Jesus died is so that we can have that real and personal relationship with him so we can spend eternity in heaven with him as well. But we have to choose to accept Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and let him lead our lives. And I just had never heard anyone tell me that before. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew I had a lot to Mm. be forgiven for after trying to take my own life. I knew that something very special and important seemed to be missing in my life. And I knew that I never made a decision to accept Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. I thought that just kinda happened. I didn't know that like yeah. it was a personal interaction that I needed to have with God.
0: Well, and it was almost like I think you had talked about it's more of it went from your head from right. just the answers, but you really fully received mm-hmm. the grace that Jesus offers, that God offers through his son. So this is the moment that you kind of make that decision and again it's not like all of a sudden everything's fixed obviously you're still now you're disabled in some level and you're working through pain probably still some of that depression you had someone else approach you in a parking lot i think you had mentioned
1: right there was a lady i i started going to community college because i was having some surgeries at the time and still wanted to try to move my life forward a little bit if i could so one day after a speech class, this lady comes up to me as I'm about to get in my car, and she starts telling me about her life, about how she was abused as a child and how she had a, a, a daughter with a rare disorder and how hard her life had been and how she started going to this church and starting a relationship with God and how much that had helped her. And she just shined with more peace and more joy mm-hmm. and love for life than anybody had ever met before. And she probably talked for like an hour, and that's mostly what I saw. And when I went home, I just felt like I, I just said to God, God, I want to know you the way that lady knows you, because I had a relationship with him. Right. And I, I know that I would have went to heaven if I died. And, I, you know, I had a relationship with him, but it wasn't like it needed to be. And what I felt him tell me when I asked him, you know, I told him I wanted to know him the way that lady knew him, is he said, Kristen, you need to let me be your best friend. Hmm. That was what made sense to me. My friends were kind of a big part of my world. And I started doing that. I started talking to him about everything just like I would my best friend. And I started to realize that he knew me better than anyone else in this world. He knew my problems better than anyone else in this world and the answers to them. Right. So he really started to help me. And I was actually able to get off of all my antidepressants, all my pain meds. And I started to feel like I was just walking right out of my depression. The more I walked like hand in hand with God and I felt... Like mm. I started to experience the peace and joy and love for life, like that lady had that I always wanted but never had before.
0: And you'd mentioned, too, I mean, again, and I want we, we're rushing through a whole lot, and it's in her book because you, you talk from the loss of that many people, um, the sexual abuse, which uh, you guys, there's, there's some in this room that have experienced that, and, and uh, or in depression. I, I want to make sure you know that. Gosh, after the service in the Connection Lounge, if you want to talk to somebody, there are resources for you, in other words. And we don't want to over-spiritualize this to say all of a sudden, and Kristen was all good, and everything was great. You still struggle with some of those things. But you were a counselor, I think, got around you and Mm -hmm. worked through that.
1: Yeah, I ended up, I wasn't seeking a Christian counselor. God just worked that out for me, I guess. I feel very blessed. But I had a Christian counselor um, that the hospital hooked us up with. And she spoke more truth and in life into me than anyone else at the time. And one of the things she had me do was memorize Romans 8.1. And that's where it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I started memorizing that over and over. I would say it to myself. And it started to sink into my heart, sink into my mind a lot more. And I started to get it. And I realized that if God could forgive me, there was no reason... For me not to forgive myself mm. because in a lot of ways that was what was holding me back. Right. Um, Why I was still struggling so much with my depression, even still some suicidal thoughts. Yeah. I, but once I started to forgive myself, I started to find a lot more freedom.
0: Yeah. And probably finding that joy oh, yeah. as, as we yeah, talked about. Oh, yeah. Much, much more. Yeah. not that amazing? In the midst of that brokenness that he can bring that grace. So tell the story about, the, I love the story of the rescue worker. It's probably my favorite part of the story, just the, what, what God did through that person bringing light to you.
1: Yeah, there was one guy, he's a, a favorite person of mine. He was actually on the scene that night of my attempt as a paramedic, and he was helping to get me ready to go to the hospital. And after that, he went home to his family, told them about what had happened, and they prayed for my healing, for my, you know, physical healing emotional healing and for my salvation and I didn't know him I didn't know anything about him he didn't know anything about me he just knew what had happened that night and three years later at the recommendation of my counselor I rolled into his church not knowing this guy at all and he said that he leaned over to his wife Tammy his name is Bill and he said Tammy that's that girl on the railroad tracks that night that I told you about that we've been praying for Hmm. And they didn't know that I had surrendered my life to the Lord, that I, you know, was saved now or anything. But that church ended up being a great place wow. for me. And what I just love about that story is how God showed them that he heard their prayers and he was answering their prayers too.
0: So, I, I just again, as a side note to about grace... Uh, sometimes you won't have that personal interaction about grace, that God gonna, is going to use your life to bring light to people. And what a great story about that. How, how amazing for them, even, just to witness God's grace through their life.
1: Yeah, it was incredible for them. I, I, I would say equally incredible for me just to yeah. see that God was at work in all these small and big ways throughout. You know, He was just faithful over and over and over.
0: So you have uh, a director of operations, your mom, and I don't know what that calls us dads. Um, director of finance? I don't know. Um, <laughs> facilities or something like that. <laughs> uh, but, man, I love some of the stuff you talk about your mom. And I'm just going to read what your mom had ended up saying about this. And it's in the back part of your book. But this is her mother speaking. It says, seeing my beautiful 17-year-old daughter with no legs is overwhelming. I wanted to trade places with her and take the pain away, give her my legs. I could barely stand to see her in pain and not be able to do anything about it. I didn't want my baby girl to have to go through this. She was so very young. In the aftermath of what happened, I never imagined that something tragic could turn into something so beautiful. For a long time, Kristen wondered why God had saved her. I just wanted her to be happy. I wanted her to do anything and everything, I wanted to do anything I could to help her, but I realized that no matter what I said or did, I could not make her happy. She needed to get her joy from God. Uh, it Seems like mom was pretty important for that in the process for you.
1: Yeah, she was yeah. always there.
0: Yeah. It's amazing about the opportunity we have for grace. And, and I think I wanted to hear just a small part of Kristen's story. I mean, we've whipped through, which her book in, in the lobby, she'll be in there afterwards, tells, it says, Life in Spite of Me. And I think, what a beautiful title about grace, that, that God gives grace in spite of what we've done or not earned. And it's just an amazing story. And so, man, thanks for sharing this morning. It's my pleasure. I love it. So can you guys thank Kristen thanks. this morning? This is a picture of her family, and uh, Alan uh, brought in two kids, it's, so it's a blended family. Um, this is there. Uh, I was going to say little guy, but it just doesn't work because <laughs> he has potential, football potential for sure, Grayson, <laughs> um, but named after the idea of God's grace. Uh, but something very powerful that I wanted to share is that having the privilege to marry uh, Alan and Kristen, one of the desires was for her to walk down the wedding aisle. And so uh, she had been practicing with new prosthetic legs, and uh, so I was the pastor, and there's Alan and I, and they opened the doors, and on comes the song Amazing Grace. I can't hardly even think about the thing because it was over. I mean, I was sobbing. We're, Al and I are both holding each other sobbing. Uh, I was overwhelming. But I think about that picture and I think, do you realize that this morning that's your story? That if you have received the fullness of God's grace in your life, it's your story too. And that God celebrates that day that he joined you in your journey and brought that light of life to you. The, the passage says that you're to let your life shine before others. And so as Bobby comes up and we begin to sing, my question for you this morning is, have you allowed the light that God's given you to shine to others? How this light is seen is you move into places that are dark. You move into people's lives. Friends, as believers, we're not to move away from people that are experiencing darkness and brokenness. We're to move into it. And as we move into it, it may not be that you have answers. And can you tell by Kristen's testimony, answers are not what people are looking for. They're looking for the grace, the unmerited favor of God through Jesus that brings light to darkness The call this morning is to let your light shine. And as you take communion this morning and to go to those places and we take a a cup of juice to represent the blood of Christ and the broken body of Jesus, friends, don't take that lightly because you're not to take that as a recipient of grace and to hide that. You're to let that light shine. You're to let that grace come through your life. This morning, if you're holding on to bitterness or something that's unforgiveness, someone's disappointed you, if you're holding on to something that's blocking you as a conduit of that light, might you let go of that. Might you look heavenward to a God that just kicks the doors open and says, come now, my bride, that receives you. What an amazing grace. Father in heaven, this morning we celebrate One story that Kristen shared, but many stories of us in this room, where light came to us. Father, might we this morning be reminded that we're to be that light for others, in Jesus' name.